This podcast was produced on Sunday, October 1st at 11.03 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Total number of votes cast, 65,782. Rejected ballots, 101. Total number of abstentions, 172. And again, in alphabetical order, the first candidate, Charlie Angus, number of votes, 12,705. Next candidate, Nikki Ashton, number of votes, 11,374. Guy Caron, number of votes, 6,164. Jagmeet Singh, number of votes, 35,266. Jagmeet Singh, the outsider in the race, became the new leader of the NDP and the first person of colour to lead a major federal party. The Ontario MPP won 53.8% of the votes cast, a decisive victory on the first ballot. I'm Althea Raj and this is Follow Up, a HuffPost Canada politics podcast. Welcome to a special show coming to you straight from the Metropolitan Ballroom at Toronto's Weston Harbour Castle Hotel, where the NDP just unveiled the results. We geek out with three campaign managers from the teams of Guy Caron, Charlie Angus, and Jagmeet Singh, who help us dissect the race. And we grab a few minutes with the new party leader. Here we go. Thank you, thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bonjour, Toronto. Oh, my goodness. This is incredible. Thank you, thank you. Sego, Ani, Gedanke Meo Dosto. My friends, Canadians deserve the type of government that only New Democrats can deliver. Canadians deserve a government that understands the struggles that people are facing right now. But most importantly, Canadians deserve a government that gets the job done, that keeps its promises. So today, my friends, that's why today I'm officially launching my campaign to be the next Prime Minister of Canada. Hi, I'm Hakira Singh, school trustee for Brampton's Wards 9 and 10. And what does Mr. Singh's um, victory mean for you? It means, uh, for me, it means inspiration. It's inspiration for young people. I work with our young people. And for them, sometimes they don't see a lot of role models that look like them. 
and this shows to them that hey you can actually be uh, something in life not just your average you know sort of things that they're used to seeing but the future prime minister of the country even so I think it's very important for our children to see that and and I think it's a great day for all of us hello my name Jaranjit Singh man yeah what does Mr. Jagmeet Singh's um, victory mean for you very good victory he's a young boy coming in the leader of the NDP is good for a country need to be young generation not be like a you know but uh, like old people thinking you know I like it it's growing here because I am my generation same thing my kid is same like a growing here you know so I like the young kid coming to run the country so my name is Joshua Shah I was a huge supporter of Nikki Ashton and I wanted to see her progressive policies uh, win today and I'm excited to see that uh, Jagmeet won. I think it's uh, important to have uh, a leader who is a racial minority represented in the party and leading the party and I hope that he will also include our socialist policies uh, in his platform. But I'm uh, happy, uh, but yes, it's disappointing to see your own candidate that you personally supported uh, fall short. Farouk Karim, Director of Communication, campaign Guy Caron for Leadership. So what was your strategy going into this contest? Um, it was, first of all, it was two-tier. First, it was to get uh, to people for people to get to know Guy because he was an unknown guy from Quebec, the, was the most recent elected MP. So out of the, all the candidates, he was the least known. Even I mean, all the candidates are not known in Canada, but even in our universe, Guy Caron was the least known of uh, other candidates. Uh, Charlie was, has been an MP since uh, mid-2000. Uh, Nikki uh, ran once before, and Jagmeet Singh had his thing going in, in, in Ontario especially, but he was uh, quite known in our circles around, across the country. So our first of all was to get to know him and get to know, get make sure he gets on the road and goes to, and talks to new Democrats. And the, the business card we had to get to, so people get to talk about Guy was basic income. And that was the strategy from the start, have something out of the box that is not in the policy guide of the ND, traditional NDP. That's something that's been talked about for years and it's been talked about all around uh, the world, basic income. And with that, get some buzz going around his candidacy. Oh, that's an idea I haven't heard before. Oh, I heard it before, but not with the NDP. What, what does it look like? So that was the first part of the strategy. The second part of the strategy was we knew that uh, Quebec member, NDP members will not elect the next leader because of the numbers we had. We knew from the get-go there were about like 2 to 4% of the, of the membership. So the way we wanted to put this campaign forward is not necessarily addressed to Quebec uh, NDP members, although we did, but also to explain and to... Uh, to, uh, yeah, to explain again and again to members outside Quebec the importance to winning in Quebec for 2019. Charlie Angus seemed to suggest during one of the debates that he didn't understand why Guy Caron had brought for this whole debate about Bill 62 and that the party would have been a lot better off without having this 
uh, internal discussion. What was the thinking behind that? Yeah, so the discussion around that was we knew we were going to talk about Quebec through, for uh, at a certain point in the campaign. I mean, Guy being the Quebec candidate, it's kind of like it was a no-brainer. We have to talk about the uh, about Quebec. We did signal at the first debate, if you remember, uh, what happened in Quebec, and, and Guy mentioned the Niqab uh, debate in Quebec during the, the last... debate in Ottawa. Yeah, yes, the, the first debate in Ottawa uh, was, was the first of the race. And so we did signal that we will be talking about it. Now, we know on, on secularism issues, it's, it's a delicate debate. And it's, it's uh, p- people get emotional. We're talking about human rights. We're talking about a lot of stuff like that that, are, are, is, that, that could go uh, very bad very quickly on this subject. We wanted to put forward something that any leader, whoever that is, can pick up as a policy and, and, and a path forward. And um, so, we, so, so it was delicate. So we decided to, to come forward on that debate after the membership drive was done because we did not want to be accused of using that to sell cards, right? Because it's too important of an issue. And we wanted, uh, we wanted to do it in a calm, responsible manner. And that's really, really important. So I think we, we successfully did that. And what is the position we put forward? The position we put forward is basically me, Guy Caron, and uh, I, I don't believe the government should tell people what to wear or not to wear. And I recognize the Quebec National Assembly to legislate on the issue. That's the that's that's the uh, the, the position we put forward, and it's we're not give, it's not giving you powers to Quebec. It's just recognizing how our constitution works, and eventually the tribunals will decide, and then eventually the National Assembly of Quebec will decide what to do with that. And that was the the idea. There seems to have been a sort of newfound uh, love and respect between Jagmeet Singh and Caron towards the the last month of the campaign. What was that all about? It was mostly, I think, we had some love from Charlie Angus's camp too. Um, it was mostly, I think, a recognition from their part that uh, they might need us eventually down ballot. I think that was a lot of that. There was also, uh, I mean, we, for sure there's that, but there was also a, a recognition that Guy being the Quebec candidate, it would be important to have his support because of, 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 of what that, uh, uh, the symbol it would carry for the, for the new leader to have Guy on this side. I think that that's uh, And it was a testament too to Guy's campaign. He, Guy is a very uh, rational, sometimes too much guy, but he's really respectful, he's rigorous in his approach, and he's not a demagogue. So, and that I think was something that everybody in the in the in the party and a lot of Canadians recognize and uh, and 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 that's why they were like friendly with us but frankly at the end I think they were friendly also because of down the ballot support thank you very much thank you uh, my name is Jesse Brady I'm Charlie Angus's or was Charlie Angus's co-campaign manager uh, so let me just ask you a broad question sure uh, were you surprised by the results today yeah, no, I, I was. Um, we were watching the numbers come in over the past uh, few days, uh, and they were coming from regions that we thought we were uh, doing very strongly in. Um, I think the, the wisdom was that uh, we'd likely come in a strong second, um, and that it would go on to probably one or two more ballots. Uh, we had very strong down-ballot support. Um, and so, yeah, after... Uh, so that's why it was pretty surprising today. Charlie was one of the first people to announce that 
mm-hmm. uh, he was going to go for the leadership. Yep. What was your strategy going into the race? Um, well, there's a couple strategies. Um, the main one was just to let Charlie be Charlie. Um, Charlie has a voice that's unlike anything else in Canadian politics, I think, right now. Uh, and we recognize that very early on. Uh, he is not someone that will take talking points. He was not someone who will um, regurgitate the, the same thing over and over again. So uh, we saw that as a strength, um, and we decided to, to use that. I think that after, uh, especially after we saw what happened in the United States uh, with Donald Trump being elected, that uh, we felt that there was a, a need to have a strong, authentic, um, kind of down-to-earth uh, person in the race. Uh, and those are all attributes that we identified with Charlie early on. Um, so yeah, that was uh, that was our main kind of way, is just putting him out there, having him connect with people, having him tell them stories, uh, and identify, uh, identify those issues that people were really feeling. And so early on, we had a very listening, a listening tour. He just, we didn't have a lot of policy. We were criticized a bit about it, but we wanted to talk to people and find out what they what they were thinking, talk to new Democrats and find what the things that they really wanted to hear addressed. Um, and we did that and then we started uh, incorporating that into a lot of what we started talking about afterwards in the last half of the campaign. For the first few months of the race, it was Peter Julian, mm-hmm. Charlie Angus, mm-hmm. Nikki Ashton. How did the Jagmeet Singh candidacy change things or did it at all? No, Jagmeet was always part of the race, even though he wasn't. Uh, the, like to say that he came in only at the end is 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 uh, um, his shadow loomed lar- large over everything. Um, uh, he had more uh, media coverage about his potential running than most people had about them running, um, and so I think that that had not a, it didn't have a significant impact on when he did announce. Um, there were some parts, you know, when we watched his announcement and stuff like that, that we we realized that. You know, there's a lot of energy there, and there's a lot of uh, enthusiasm, but it, it didn't necessarily intimidate us in, in the way that I think that some thought it was going to. Um, and we just kept plowing ahead. You know, we, you know, Charlie set out, and I can't remember them all off the top of my head right now, I'm sorry, but Charlie set out 10 commandments plus one uh, in, in this campaign. And one of them was, we set our sail and we lift, we just go to that. We don't deviate, we don't move around, we don't, we just, we focus on what our priorities are and we deal with it. And uh, Jagmeet's entering the race uh, didn't change anything. Uh, we actually had two different audiences that we were talking to. Um, and, and we had two different messages in that. And so we never, while numerically he may have been our main competition, we never saw him as a direct head-to-head type of thing. We weren't going to convince a lot of people that wanted him as a leader to join our side. And conversely, I think the other way around. Um, so we just kind of focused down on that message and focused down on the people that we could attract, and and that's that's what we did. I think a lot of the commentary that's going to come out from today's announcement is that um, he brought in a ton of new members, and those mm-hmm. are the new members that elected him, yep. and that the the sort of hardcore NDP members may have chosen another candidate. Mm-hmm. Do you subscribe to that view? I think that um, a first ballot win is a first ballot win, and it's always a, it's, that's a solid win. And I don't think that anyone should be doubting uh, the support that Mr. Singh has as leader. Um, he did bring a lot of people into the race, and that was what helped him win, which is a great strategy. Um, and uh, I think that you know he has some outreach that he still has to do, and, and br- bringing the party together. Uh, 
it wasn't a very divisive uh, election, to be honest. There wasn't that much. You know, we're all new Democrats at the end of the day. Uh, some of the uh, biggest disagreements and the biggest fights we got in are over very minor, not minor issues, but more philosophical NDP issues that most Canadians wouldn't really see as big things. It means a lot to us, but it's it's and that's what you see in in um, in a leadership uh, race. But I think that at the end of the day, there wasn't anything that was so off-putting or something so extreme. We don't have wings like the Conservative Party has wings with libertarians and social conservatives and things like that. Yeah, the um, only disagreements that come to mind are really the OAS approach, the mm-hmm. means testing versus universal yep. programs. Yep. And the idea of like, are you going to run for a seat or not? Are yeah. you going to be a presence? And pro- are yeah. there other things that come to mind? Those are the main two, and even and even those like, um, one is a difference of physical location, uh, and the other one was uh, how are we taxing the rich? Really, um, with Mr. Singh's uh, plan was uh, continuing kind of the the OAS clawbacks a bit, and everyone else was looking at eliminating those, but getting money in other ways, right? So it was just really how you tax the rich. Um, you know, uh, some of those things matter, some of them don't. Um, and especially with Canadians, I think it's just uh, coming together, just having a, a united front kind of uh, going into 2019. Are there any um, pivotal moments in your mind during this campaign race? For me, and if I could be modeling for a second, and just, uh, it was a year ago today. And uh, I found myself driving to Cobalt for the first time from Sudbury, where I live, and to talk about this race. Uh, and it was me and a few people that met in Charlie's living room and we just went over the the possibility of a potential run and started going through it. And it was just, it was, it was a kind of a calm thing. And I think, I don't think any of us realized that the first ballot would be a year to that day. Um, maybe we should have done our research a bit more, but, uh, it it was, I think for me that it was that point when we, it was, wasn't decided a hundred percent, but we were kind of like, yes, we were going. And I was going over my notes last night, uh, from that meeting. And a lot of what we laid down and a lot of what we talked about, we continued on. There was the analysis of the race, the analysis of the personalities in it, uh, how we wanted to conduct ourselves. They were all there. Um, and so it was just neat to see that uh, that moment a year ago in Charlie's living room in Cobalt uh, still had such a, a, an impact on today. Something I didn't ask you, you think I should have asked you? I don't know. Um, I think that, you know, uh, obviously we, we wanted this to turn out a little differently. Um, and going forward is always the, the interesting thing. So I'm not sure what, what takes place next. Uh, and I think that's, uh, you know, for, for the whole campaign team, I think it's just that's something that we're, we're thinking about and how we, how we are able to incorporate the grassroots uh, voice that really started coming out and started really talking about um, in this race with Charlie tried to uh, really try to, to represent um, and how we move that into the into the party going forward um, and how we integrate that that we don't lose the things that we brought forward including I would also say and, and, and I'm, being, I'm being very self-centered here but uh, I think also the the important issues that both uh, Nikki and Guy's campaign also brought into this campaign they were uh, you know, they brought in a lot of uh, amazing uh, points and a lot of amazing policy pieces. And as a party, I think that uh, uh, we need to decide now how do we incorporate all this going forward so we're much more stronger, that we don't, you know, if there was, you know, um, you know, four 
four candidates on stage, you don't just kind of knock out, you know, the three of them. And if it's a chair or a table, then the whole thing falls over. So I think that they still need these pillars there to keep going forward because they all somewhat represented something different of the party. Jesse Brady, thank you very much. Thank you. backing Jagmeet Singh because um, yeah I was really impressed by the endorsements that he received um, from Labour and um, his ish, the issues that he spoke about really um, resonated with me uh, including uh, mass incarceration, policing, um, racial discrimination and uh, yeah, and, and just the campaign really, his campaign uh, was really solid. His campaign was the only one that reached out to me several times, um, asking for my vote. So um, yeah, and I, I mean, I really like Jagmeet since he was uh, an MPP. So um, yeah, those are the reasons why I decided to vote for him. I am Varun. Uh, I'm at the first ballot results of the NDP leadership race and I'm supporting Jigme because of the ways that he stood up for people, for workers, for everybody in the common land, like common, common man, right? So uh, for workers, students and everybody in general, right? Uh, especially with his policy against racial profiling. That has worked out, that especially with the, the fact that he's going to be stepping up the game against racial profiling on a federal level, that is something that I come here for. Okay? That's it. Thank you. That was important to you. That is so important to me. And the second most important thing is the way he uh, comes out against drugs. And uh, well, the reason that a lot of community members have used or like, uh, like have gotten, have the people who've used drugs are being looked at as, as criminals, which is certainly not something that it's supposed to be, right? And uh, especially when these these people don't do it, they shouldn't be looked at as criminals. They sh we should have proper uh, centers to support them and de we should de decriminalize all the drugs and, uh, uh, well, all, all the drugs essentially. Thank you. Um, were you a member of the New Democrats before Mr. Singh? No. Okay, so he convinced you to become a New Democrat? Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Uh, so, when I first met him, I was, uh, like, I, like, I knew about him as, firstly, because he is a part of the community here in Brampton, and um, that is when I first came up to know about the NDP through him when I first met him and the way he explained it to me in terms of like how he stands up for rights of the workers and uh, social socialist values that he carries all along. He's been a lawyer and I've known about that for a while that he's been a lawyer and he's been helping a lot of people. Um, that has been uh, something that's pulled me for him. Hi, I'm Michael Hay and I'm Jigmeet Singh's campaign director. 
Hi, I'm Navi Sidhu, and I'm Jagmeet Singh's uh, one of his field directors for the campaign. I'm Ryan Maloney. I'm the senior politics editor at HuffPost Canada. I'm Althea Raj, but the listeners already know that, so I'm just going to say hello. 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 Uh, so let me just get your general impression. Did today happen like you expected it was going to happen? <laughs> we're very, we're really happy to have won today, uh, but we actually prepared for multiple scenarios. Yeah, yeah, definitely prepared our team uh, kind of all week as to what uh, the next steps would be and what next week looks like um, and the work they would have to do for this upcoming week, just in case uh, I didn't want anyone to check out early. <laughs> yeah. So. But did you have a sense that, that this was going to happen? I mean, that you were going to win on the first ballot? coming in here and we knew we knew it was a possibility um, we knew that if we didn't take it it would be close mm-hmm. but we actually had a game plan for week two and a, and a bunch of commitments already mapped out as Navi said so that the team would stay focused and driven for another week because it's a pretty long campaign let's kind of go back to January or even December if I remember correctly he mentioned to me that the first time that he even thought about running for the leadership was uh, right after the Edmonton convention, the federal NDP convention, when Mr. Mulcair um, basically lost a leadership vote and the people started talking about him and he kind of liked, liked having his name tossed around but wasn't really seriously thinking about it. And then it wasn't until he spoke at the BC convention and the uh, Alberta provincial convention that he thought, oh, well, maybe this is something I can do. And he said at the time that he had gathered his team around him to sort of like map out possibilities. Can you sort of run us through the last, I guess, 14 months or 13 months? What, how did the decision come to play and what was your strategy going into this? So I came on board in May. So I, that's not something that I could, I could speak to. Um, I know that from what I've heard, it took a lot of convincing. Um, to, like a lot of people were trying to persuade Jagmeet to run. Uh, something he was definitely interested in, as as you've said, uh, but I wasn't approached until the spring. Mm-hmm. So Navi might have been around for that. Yeah, um, there was a lot of like I think loose conversation uh, about it, and we would have like conversations about what that would look like and what it would mean and the operation that might have to unfold because of it. But it really wasn't. It was kind of like a are we really yeah this is gonna happen or no like it was kind of as much as it went back and forth in Jagmeet's head is kind of um as we were thinking more about it um kind of what was happening in our heads too and be like okay well if he does this what needs to be built out yeah what needs to be built out yeah what needs to be built out in order to do it I know that's my question to you (laughs) what needs to be built out um so a lot of what we did is just um, kind of what we've done in a lot of his campaigns. It's um, we have this amazing volunteer base of youth that come through and that just want to be involved because she meets such a dynamic personality. And um, you kind of throughout the entire process in a typical election campaign, like I was a part of his 2014 campaign, we walked volunteers through you know things that are unheard of during election campaigns like what the boards mean right so they understood their impact on the ground and they understood how what it meant to organize and what progress they were making and so that's kind of what we did on this campaign too we we brought them in um because they were interested and they naturally wanted to see what it was about 
and kind of walk them through the steps and the process of okay what do we need to do what are some of the goals okay how do we you know talk to the existing base how do we set up in new communities how do we grow and um, we set targets and goals and kind of like any organizer does and just went from there really I think what's significant about what Nevi's saying that not everybody would know is that Mm -hmm. often campaigns don't share those targets and they don't share those goals and they don't share how well they're doing Um, but that's something that that we did. We made sure the volunteers mm-hmm. and the organizers on the team knew exactly what we were trying to achieve and how far we were, um, and we trusted them with that information, and that motivated them to continue working. Not just that, like it creates a, a dynamic environment for problem solving, because it's like they see the problem that we might have, and we have we talk it through with them, um, that Michael and I might have, and we talk it through with them, and then they come up with really cool new ideas that we wouldn't have thought of and it's like okay why don't we try it and I think a lot of parts of it is like try everything we have nothing to lose and if something works out it works out great can you give us an example of what you're talking about um I think the show well I mean it might not be com- completely what you're thinking but the, sh- the way we prepared for the showcase mm. was pretty oh, cool yeah. yeah um we we brought as many volunteers that were available together mm-hmm. We took over a big space in our campaign office and we set them up at different tables and then we had an agenda and problems for them to solve and each of them went and like built out their vision over time uh, for what the showcase would look like and, and presented it back to the room and then we collectively made a decision about how we would go through the showcase. It takes a little bit longer than just mm-hmm. like planning it ourselves yeah. but it's a really good way to make sure people are a part of, of what we're building. How did you map out how you would win? What was your strategy from the May 15th launch? Navi and I spent a lot of time mapping out the field. Hours. It was definitely a field-heavy campaign. Mm -hmm. Like, if you looked at uh, the team and the campaign structure, it's one or two people on communications. And then we actually lost count in the last couple weeks because we brought so many people in to pull the vote. Um, but just dozens of people in like full-time roles in In field. field. And then just organizers and volunteers outside of that. But just naturally, yeah. Yeah, and we and I think, I mean, it's hard because this just happened, so it's hard to mm-hmm. reflect. But if we look back, we definitely had phases in the campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, they were very quick phases, but there was a membership phase. Like, let's sign up as many members as we can, which is somewhat obvious. And we knew that that growth would be, uh, which is not something everybody would have seen, but that growth would be exponential. You know, as we laid the groundwork, as we gave people leadership roles, they would increasingly bring more members into the party. And, and we then, tracked everything. Yeah. Like that, we just, yeah. And that helped us flip it on mm-hmm. its head. So it was, there was the membership period, and then there was this, like, hustle to actually identify support um, in the party base that weren't, that weren't the people that we had focused on signing up. And then, obviously, there came the time to simultaneously mm-hmm. continue to identify support and then get out the vote because yeah. the voting period was so long. Those are sort of our phases. Um, and you can actually, I don't know if this is more information than you want, but you can actually see um, with the with the donations, you can see where we wanted to raise a bunch of money in the beginning, mm-hmm. like as much money as we could, put all our resources into membership to reach that period. So the donations kind of, like they're still strong, but they're not as, as strong over the summer because it was all about that August 17th deadline. And then they start to pick up again mm-hmm. um, after the membership piece was done because we just kept using the structure that we built um, to either Reinforce raise money yeah. yeah to raise money to sign up members or to get out the vote mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about the the comparisons to, to 
Prime Minister Trudeau that, that we've seen. On the positive side, people say, you know, here's someone that can compete with him in terms of getting attention, resonating with young people. And then on the negative side, some suggest that, you know, same kind of criticism that Trudeau got early on, that he's maybe more sizzle than steak. But you guys had a lot of policy, mm-hmm. actually. And so I wonder if you can speak to that, this notion that um, that some already have that, you know, your candidate maybe doesn't have the, the chops, but you do have a lot of policy. I think if anyone saw Jimmy's track record at, at Queen's Park, you can see that he is a fighter. Like, the way that he talks about issues um, and how he articulates what he wants to say um, and the way that he can hold his own in an argument is, like, I don't, I don't think anyone that would see any of that footage would have that criticism, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think what's different is the, that you could see if you could catch it from his, his speech today are the stories that he tells. Um, mm-hmm. He tells those stories to show that he is connected to what he's advocating for, which is unique to him, right? Um, They're like, his personal stories. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right, as opposed to Charlie Angus who talks about other people's stories. He doesn't, or any, or Justin Trudeau who would talk about other people's stories. Like, he doesn't need to do that. He has been carded himself multiple times. He understands what that experience is like. His family faced economic struggle. He understands what that experience is like. And then even the, um, the minority language piece mm-hmm. and the importance of protecting a culture and a language. He understands that in a, in a way that not everybody does. I think uh, what's unique is that Jimmy can understand and hear someone else's story and then reflect on the journey he's been through and been like, yeah, I've maybe I didn't think of it that way. And then can flip it to be like also personal and understand the, the per- personal side of things too. But to Ryan's point, like you did give Jagmeet things to talk about early on, like that income security agenda that was pretty beefy policy so that when he went out and gave stump speeches, there was something he had, he had something to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the one, one piece in particular about the better work agenda, which I think was the, the first piece that we put out, was the temporary worker piece mm-hmm. as a part of that. That was something that he, he was adamant be one of the first pieces that he put out because of the work he'd done at Queen's Park around temp workers. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about one of the bigger moments probably from the, from the race, uh, something you probably couldn't have predicted would necessarily happen, which was the, the heckler incident. Oh, and yeah. the the response that your candidate had where he was, you know, such grace and such class and the way it went viral and the way people resonated. Um, it felt like that was a game changer. Uh, did it feel that way for for you on your on your side? No. 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 That was um, that was traumatic for a lot of us. In traumatic. That room. Yeah, traumatic. Yeah. yeah. yeah sorry, I don't for mean to lot, make light no, of it. No, no, yeah, but I, just, I totally understand. Yeah. It it was for a lot of us in the room and it was kind of like a reality check actually. Mm-hmm. Like if he becomes leader, this might be a, a regular thing. This might like we need security. We are naive. We didn't have security. Mm-hmm. Like and this is in our backyard where we organize. So I think um we were all just trying to deal with it and like one of my main things in the, in that moment was to make sure like our young volunteers some some people in that room were like babies and that they left that room okay and not traumatized so um yeah i think a lot of it was just making sure everyone coped with it okay yeah did you have any idea at the time that because of the way he handled it so well that that would be a moment that people would turn to and look at and, and think about and sort of turn it into a sort of a, po- a positive thing for the for the team? I think there's definitely a world of people experiencing um, Jigmeet the way we knew him 
so it probably took us a little while to catch up to the fact that that's what they were that's what they were seeing because that's who we know mm -hmm. uh, that's why we're that's why we were and are involved with his campaign and and what he's doing um, for the most part we were just trying to stay focused on on the campaign and it, it took a day or two to realize that that was what was really happening yeah. um, I think that 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 video and his response and people getting to witness him had an impact on people broadly. I think our organizing had an impact on the leadership race. This is a different, a very different audience. What are some of the key moments for you in this campaign race? I don't know. <laughs> this? This is a key moment. Yeah. The launch? The membership deadline? Oh, the membership. Um, so we, you know, we, we data entered every member that came in. Um, so I don't know if you've ever done data entry for 47,000 forms. It was horrible. Before. <laughs> but we basically did a week of all-nighters as a campaign yeah. team, collectively. And then where our teams couldn't, um, where our teams across the country couldn't keep up with the data entry because they weren't as big as we were yeah. in Malton mm -hmm. um, or Brampton, the, they would actually scan in forms and then we would remotely be doing data the entry data entry for the country. Them. Yeah. So that's a bit of a nerdy, um, but like, big moment because it was also fun because we we played music yeah. in the office and, and we talked about personal stories of yeah. each other like what was your background what's your story so it was good it was fun it was like one of those bonding moments definitely something you can remember obviously the strategy was to sign up as many members as possible was there a feeling that he had to do that uh, in order to win the leadership because what was left of the NDP membership was not going to follow him or would take more effort to follow him no I think I think the results, to, like if, if you look at the numbers, the, the number of members that we signed up, as people had, had noted, it wasn't enough mm -hmm. to win, right? Uh, so the results today show that there was broad support in the party for, for Jigmeet. Um, and we all believe that if we got him in front of people and they got to meet him, that there would be that support. And that's why we put him in front of crowds across the country. Uh, we were really like impressed by the number of people that would come out to meet and greets in Saskatoon and in Lunenburg and in Nanaimo. Um, we didn't expect that. And even like we had a recently we had a smaller one in Weyburn, um, which was so we went right into the heart of of the NDP and smaller towns across Toronto and people came out. This leadership race was the first step in his run for prime minister. Yeah. Right? Everything we did on this race was what would what would we do in 2019? How do we set him up for 2019? I think that was always like an underlying goal. So everything we did, we said, has to has to live up to that standard on some level. I want to go back to something you said about the the people who voted. We, I mean, I don't know. You must know what your voter turnout was for those. Mm -hmm. What was it? I haven't done the math in the in the last like 24 hours, um, but I know that our voter turnout was between 50 and 60 percent. Yep. Um, of the members that we signed up, which is healthy, right? That's something that, I mean, people might look at us as having signed up 47,000 members and think that 47,000 vote, that's not how it works. Um, 40 to 50%, 50 to 60% of people generally turn out. It's what we see in Canadian elections too. Um, and I think we got between 50 and 60% of our turnout. Yeah, Navi had started to say it before, but we tracked everything yeah. on this campaign. So as, um, as we found out who had voted, we were constantly checking to see which of our supporters had voted and who, who we needed to pull. So we were watching that trend yeah, of turnout. In our database, yeah. I wanted to ask you um, about confidence because that's something that came up uh, a couple times during debates. You know, people would say, 
you know, you're saying that you're going to win. You say you got it in the bag. Um, isn't that disrespectful to the members? And he said something very interesting during our debate, which is, you know, I don't have the luxury not to not to have confidence. Um, there are people who say, you know, you can't win because of the way you look or because you're an Ontario MPP. So it got me thinking about that as a sort of strategy on your end, the always projecting confidence, always projecting that we're going to win, uh, rather than, you know, boy, it'd be nice to win. Like, can you speak to that at all? Is it bad to say it wasn't a strategy? No, that's it just, wasn't a strategy. I guess Navi could speak to it better, but that no, was just Jagmeet. It's just Jagmeet. Yeah. yeah. That's and just Jagmeet being The Jagmeet. idea of him, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Resilient? Like, he's really resilient. And, um, and like, the idea that, like, he exudes confidence because of everything he's been through. And that is kind of, like, a lesson for a lot of us around him. Like, I started organizing... Um, when, like in university and when I met Jigmeet in undergrad he was just this confident person he like one of the first things I think I um, he said to me was like don't be afraid to to find your voice and say what you need to say um, in like this meeting about like how we want to like set up this concert for artists and I was like I will don't worry <laughs> but it was really interesting to see because that's what he projects and that's what he wants to build out of all organizers. And that's something, when he talks about his carding story, it's not just about like putting forward a policy to, to ban carding. He, he always talks about people's self-worth mm. and what that does to self-worth. And, and the, reason, the reason he brings up that story and the reason he projects this confidence is that he be, believes that people should value, should have self-worth. Um, and it, he, he definitely talks to everybody on the campaign about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'd be remiss not to ask about the history that's been made today, and you've you've played a big role in that. So I'm just curious your own thoughts. This is our a first leader of a federal party who is not um, a white person, and this is a you know a momentous thing. So I wonder if you could share your thoughts about that, if you're willing. I I just like I was telling Michael while we're walking over here, it hits me waves. There's moments where I'm like fine, and moments where I'm just like a mess. Um, I don't think it's fully completely hit me, but um, just thinking about it and thinking about the future and thinking about what it means for a lot of young people of color out there, and especially in this world with Trump's America, I think it's um, it's uh, inspiring. Yeah, yeah. I, Navi, <laughs> Navi covered it. The only thing from my perspective is I can't wait to see uh, how people respond to him after this you know after like as he begins his campaign for prime minister because again like he said from our perspective he's beginning that campaign mm -hmm. what that will mean to different communities across the country and what that will mean to people i can't wait to just watch that happen yeah yeah so what's the game plan now victory eat, party. eat dinner yeah victory party <laughs> yeah um, get through today and we're still in campaign mode where one day is like an eternity yeah. and we don't know what tomorrow brings uh, my understanding is that he's in ottawa tomorrow mm -hmm. so that that's the next step. He'll have to meet caucus, appoint a leader in parliament. Yeah. A new shadow cabinet team. He had the support of 11 MPs. Yeah. I think he has the support of 44 MPs. At now. the moment now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he's basically played it pretty safe about not boxing himself in into running in any by-election. And can you... Um, is it your sense that the strategy should be that he goes out and meets the most people as possible and takes advantage of the fact that he's not leader of the official opposition and doesn't have to be in parliament at question period every day to hold the government's feet to the 
fire. I think I think there's definitely pros and cons to both, and he's been really open in how he's talked about that. Right? He said that he's comfortable waiting, but he's also willing to see what comes and to be in the house as well. Um, if he's if he's not in the house right away, we will definitely be taking advantage of that, and he will be meeting as many people across the country as possible. Uh, but at the same time, he'll still be in Ottawa, in Parliament, available for scrums and responding to people there. So it'll be a mix of both. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That's Bunchy Garland's song, Differentology, and Jagmeet Singh's unofficial anthem. One, two, one, two, okay, on one, two. Congratulations. Thank you. Did it work out the way you thought? It worked out really, really well. Did it work out the way you thought? I'm not sure exactly how I thought it would work out in the sense of I wanted to win and I was confident that we would win. I wasn't sure how that win would look out. But first ballot wins are the best in terms of unity of the party. We have a clear indication of a mandate. So it's awesome. It's the best way possible. Do you feel any differently today than you did this morning? Like right now than you did this morning? I did for a second. Right now I'm not really fully appreciating the magnitude of what's happened but for a moment I appreciated it and it was incredibly overwhelming how was your call with caucus it was great it was a great call it was really exciting to be able to have a team of 44 MPs that I'm going to be able to work with I'm really excited you want to tell me what you talked to them about just that we're going to do some amazing work together and I really want everyone to feel that their work is valued they individually are valued and I'm going to make sure that I engage everyone in terms of their fields of expertise, their personal knowledge of their own writings. I want to make sure that everyone knows that each and everyone has something very special to offer in terms of how we can move towards winning in 2019. What does this victory mean for you? So I'm only here today because people before me challenged different barriers and different obstacles. So I could only even vaguely imagine being an elected official because other people were elected officials that broke different barriers. And I think like Rosemary Brown and Jenny Kwan, people who no one thought would ever, would ever be able to get elected, got elected and broke these barriers. I'm hoping that my current position will inspire a whole host of new leaders across Canada, people from equity-seeking communities that didn't see themselves reflected and never thought of themselves as being leaders, I'm hoping they'll think of themselves as potential leaders, just not only in their communities, but even in politics. I talked to a lot of, I guess, what you and I would call uncles in the room today who were very proud of you, told me that you were a good young man um, and uh, that they saw you as an uh, inspiration to their children and grandchildren. And there seems to be a recognition from, I would say, like the party establishment that you were also going to change the face of this party. I mean, you saw it today in the room when we had the first debate, you weren't part of it, uh, back in February or March, I think, in Ottawa. Everybody was, almost everybody was white. Uh, it definitely 
the demographics, um, the people who are a lot older. Is that something that you hope to do? Well, if we want to build a Canada where no one is left behind, it's going to require us to engage all Canadians. So that means young people, that means people from different racial backgrounds, from different ethnicities, uh, you know, all communities, whether based on gender, sexuality, language, religion, we need to engage everybody if we want to build a truly inclusive Canada. And that's what I'm hoping that I started already and I'm going to continue to do that. How do you think your leadership style will differ from Mr. Mulcair, perhaps Mr. Layton? How are you different in this role or how do you think you'll be different? Well, first I have to just thank previous leaders and thank them for their work. You know, Jack Layton's legacy is a legacy that's so strong even, even until today. And I also want to thank and appreciate Tom's incredible contribution. Tom Mulcair has done a lot for our party. What I want to bring to the table is a culture of collaboration. I believe people need to get feedback. And even if it's feedback that I don't want to hear, I think it's important to hear it. I think you don't improve unless you receive that. You need to hear constructive feedback so that you can actually improve. So I want that to be very clear in my leadership. I believe in that. And I want everyone to feel that I'm a leader that has the sense of security to celebrate the teammates over myself. It's important that you can't achieve anything without a team. I'm only here because of the incredible work of my team. And moving forward, we're only going to win in 2019 if all the members of the team feel like they're valued, appreciated, and they're able to contribute their most. Today I was struck, uh, maybe I'm reaching, but I, it seems to me like you're trying to beat Justin Trudeau at his own game. Your theme song, the uh, chorus, keeps repeating that you're ready, um, which obviously makes me think of the slack the Conservatives had against uh, Justin Trudeau in the 2015 election. Um, your comments about where the Liberals, how they promised big change and so far have failed to deliver on a number of things that you identified, electoral reform probably being primary. Are you trolling him? <laughs> We're definitely showing people the alternative, the true alternative, the true progressive alternative that people who wanted a better Canada, who were really hopeful for some significant improvements over previous ways of doing things, people who feel like not just the promises are broken, but they feel betrayed. I want to give them a home. We're that home. What's with the campaign music? <laughs> we want to, to create a certain vibe and a certain energy and a certain excitement. And so each thing that we do is supposed to help advance that, that sentiment, that feeling. And I'm hoping that we started to make it clear that today I officially launched my run to be the next Prime Minister of Canada. I guess what I'm just asking is that, like, is that on purpose? Everything we do is thought out. Okay, and let me just leave it with this because you've talked about it during the campaign that uh, you know you might run in a by-election. There's obviously going to be one in Scarborough in the next year, um, but that you were leaving your options open, uh, possibly just building up the party for that 2019. Have you given this more thought? Will you be... So announcing anything soon? No, I haven't. I haven't made any decision. I've just said, and I'm I'm comfortable in the fact that I don't have a seat right now, and I'm confident I can use this time to engage with people and put out our message and hear what people have to say. But I'm also very, very clear, and I've been very clear on this, that I'm open to feedback and thoughts on 
whether or not there's an opportunity that makes sense. So I'm keeping all options, all options, I'm keeping all options open. I think in your last interview, so what question do you wish reporters had asked you today that they did not ask you? It's kind of touched on, but there's something pretty phenomenally historic about today in terms of what it says about Canada. And I think it gives me a lot of hope, not just for myself, but for future generations, for people that have never felt like they belong, for people who don't feel like they have a place. I think we've made a step forward and answered that question, said, yes, people do belong and people do have a place here. Canada is a place where everyone's welcome. And we've kind of given some substance to that today. Do you realize that it's not just a national story, but this might be an international story that you're going to become a rock star in India? And <laughs> well, I hope it inspires people around the world. That would be an incredible honor, and I would have felt I've done something good in my life. Thank you. Thanks. Jagmeet Singh chatted with Caucus on Sunday, and he's preparing to head off on a cross-country tour. NDP National Director Robert Fox shared some of the details with reporters. He's, he's, he's very much going to be traveling across the country in the, between now and, no, now and February. There's sort of like a 100-day plan that basically has him going to every province, every territory. He's going to be uh, you know, meeting with traditional party supporters, but also reaching out to all sorts of people who are, want to join the party and want to become involved in the road toward 2019. There are a lot of disaffected liberals who want to meet with them. There are a lot of, uh, uh, you know, old grumpy new Democrats who want to meet with them. There's, though, a huge influx of brand new young folk uh, and diverse folk who are very excited about. Well, that's our special NDP leadership podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a positive review on iTunes. And as always, we love to hear from you. You can reach me through Facebook or Twitter at Althea Raj is my handle. A big thank you to my colleague, Brian Maloney, HuffPost Senior Politics Editor. He's been an immense help not only this week, but throughout this leadership race. And a special shout out to our wonderful technical producer, Stephanie Werner, who worked on this podcast in the middle of the night. Our executive producer is Andre Lau. I'm Althea Raj. Have a great week. Thank you.